Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Under the Scope podcast where we discuss music. It's been a couple weeks, um, but we're back uh, with a brand new... Had to take a break. Yeah, we took a little break because we gave you guys a solid stream of content for six weeks in a row or something like that. And it's summer. We took a summer vacation or what have you. Yeah. Also, just... If we're being like 100% honest, there aren't a ton of albums that grabbed our attention lately. Um, there is a recent album that was released uh, that we do plan on covering. That will be next time. Um, how about I introduce us real quick? Uh, I'm I'm Will Brost. I host The Shindig. And uh, Patrick Anderson's calling on the other end. Yeah. As usual. As usual. Not even as usual, just as always at this point. Yeah, as always. <laughs> as as much as I try to get a different co host, it's it's always Damn. you. At the end of the day, I just hit you up. All right, Pat, can you get on? And you say sure. Um, yeah, because I'm I'm, all, I'm just sitting here waiting for the call. Yes. <laughs> just, just I day in and day out, just like all right, it's gonna happen today. I, I put on the bat signal, and you you start setting up your microphone or whatever you have to do um but yeah so that's that's exactly it's that it's that serious over here (laughs) precisely uh so as i implied we're doing something a little different today um we are doing our first i I guess we'll call it our first true classic review we have done a discussion in the past about uh okay computer versus kid a uh, I'm not really sure I'd call that a classic review per se. I mean, I, it is in some aspects, but this is our first legitimate, hey, let's look at a classic record in the same, similar style as we do the newer records that come out. Um, today we're covering the final album from Nick Drake titled Pink Moon. Uh, this was a recommendation from you. You are a from my understanding a pretty big fan of nick drake and have been for a while now is that correct Mm -hmm. that's that is right okay Uh, i have always heard of nick drake i i never checked him out until i guess a week ago so this should be kind of an interesting podcast from the perspective of well we have a longtime fan versus a newcomer um neither of us were alive when his albums came out uh, so we don't have that By a good margin a, a good margin yeah 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 and uh, I have the specifics here uh, as to when they came out I'll just go ahead and do the introduction uh, for Nick Drake uh, he was an English uh, folk I guess folk singer songwriter uh, yeah he released three albums in his lifetime uh, five leaves left in 1969. Uh, Britter Later in 1971 mm-hmm. and Pink Moon 1972 uh, all three of these albums have received a ton of acclaim uh, but Pink Moon which is the one we're discussing today uh, has endured as his most uh, celebrated work uh, just to you know an example of that Pitchfork named it the 13th best record of the entire 1970s uh, which is pretty dang impressive for an album that was recorded in a two-day span um despite the near universal acclaim from critics um nick drake didn't have a particularly large fan base during his lifetime um much of his fandom and his acclaim from critics has built up over the past few decades Mm -hmm. um 
it's important to mention that a couple years after the release of this record, at the age of 26, uh, Nick Drake died from an overdose of an antidepressant. Uh, his death was concluded to be suicidal. Um, in our in our first, as I mentioned, our first like true classic review, we've decided to shed some light on, uh, I guess, what is considered to be a classic record and uh, an essential in folk music. Um, as I, you know, as I implied, uh, you're you're a much bigger fan than I am, so I kind of wanted to start by asking you, you know, why did you want to do this record in particular, and and what what what's special about it to you? Why do you think it's deserving of the quote unquote classic label? So this is one of my favorite records ever. Wow. Um, like I it, I don't know where I would place it, but like it's there's like a good chance that it's like in my top 10 at pretty much any given moment um because this is one of this is one of the records that like one of those things that when i first heard it it was it just it it immediately struck a chord with me um and has left an impact ever since ever since then um but it's like there's a lot behind this. There's I, the sort of mythos of like this really tortured soul that was creating something like this out of pure artistic integrity because he didn't have like a fan base or anything like that. Mm-hmm. While, you know, this is, but this is actually one of the most famous folk records of I, probably ever. Mm hmm. I would say you so. know, and at this yeah, point, but at, it, yeah, now it is. At the time, maybe not so, but but now, uh, yeah. So uh, that whole thing is so is so like weird and mysterious to me because it's like it's like that Tolstoy aspect kind of mm. of just you know what I mean of yeah. just like this uh, this thing this like folk masterpiece that is was just created out of pure like i mean pure artistic integrity and real emotion and everything but is it has become uh later on a a masterpiece and a uh, and a classic record for the genre and for just like music in general Mm -hmm. so that that whole thing is like attractive to me but it's it's really a timeless record too there's not like it doesn't the the thing that can sometimes turn me off to uh classic records from the 1970s or earlier is the dated aspect of them Mm -hmm. so there's certain ones like you know the obvious ones like dark side of the moon or led zeppelin 4 or you know like things like that that are like they 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 stand the test of time because they are monumental records mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and things like that but like a lot of those a lot of the records that are like oh this is a masterpiece of the 70s they're they're records that sound pretty dated um and they're harder to they're harder to listen to because it, it's it's like calling back to a time that i literally have no association to because we weren't alive for 20 years you know right past when the record was released but this one is one of those that's like it it it's 
it's a record that it definitely sounds like it was recorded in the 70s obviously but it's something that could be written at any point in time because of how honest and like and skillfully made it is and it just yeah just just how like artistically honest this record is nailed it uh i agree i I think folk records in general age very well because they're not they're they're generally not relying on some sort of musical trend or some sort of stylistic approach whereas there are there's a lot of excuse me a lot of 1970s music uh that was trendy like maybe disco or some sorts of progressive rock or classic rock that kind of had its time and place but this is a man and his acoustic guitar and it's so bare bones that Uh it's not relying on any sort of cheap aesthetic or or anything like that so yeah while while it does sound like it was recorded in the 70s i threw this on and was impressed first and foremost just how i don't want to say like fresh but just how as you implied it could have come out any time in the past like decade and i maybe would have believed it Um, yeah it's special because it's not it's not it doesn't like the things that he's talking about have no association with any time period like anybody could pick this up somebody like 20 years from now could pick this up and listen to it and and find uh, find meaning in it because of you know it doesn't have any it doesn't have any sort of of relation to a decade or a generation or anything like that it's just like it's just a beautifully written uh, piece of music and the, the emotions expressed on here are timeless I mean they people will always have these sort of dark thoughts or feelings of loneliness or despair or what have you that's not something that just goes away over time and so i think this record will always kind of have its its pocket uh, among people who are feeling a certain way and look to people like nick and drake to kind of help them through that um regarding your first point which i agree um i find it th- any record that has this sort of lackluster release that upon retrospect has this great legacy i i find that so fascinating about music um i have some some statistics that i wrote down just to kind of highlight exactly what we're saying here uh i i have just u.s sales numbers even though he is a, a, a british artist um however 1999 so this was 27 years after the release of this record it had only sold 6,000 copies in America. Uh, there was this 1999 Volkswagen commercial that used yep. the title track in its commercial. And because of that, it increased to 74,000 sales by the next year. And by 2004, it had sold over 300,000 copies in the U.S. And I oh, that's and that's ridiculous. that was even 14 years ago. So I'm sure it's only gotten, you know, progressively yeah. more since then. And that's just fascinating in its own right. Yeah, because the classic uh, label has been thrown on this record. I mean, since I can remember getting into music. Mm. So I mean, like I remember seeing this record. You know, whenever you're doing like the classic thing in high school, where you're like, best records of all time. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> and then so I remember seeing like this record on a lot of lists back in like 2008, or not 2008, sorry, like 2009, 2010. And like, and so that's like, it was getting, it was getting classic status at that point. So like, I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been just growing ever since then. And it's so strange because it, like it started 25 years after he had died. It's it's so odd. It, 25 years. What came out 25 years ago? Let's see. That'd be like 1993. So like Wu Tang Clan, like that album. Yeah. Imagine if right. that. Enter the Wu Tang. Imagine if that only sold like six thousand copies until now, and then yeah, all of and a that's sudden, a good comparison too because that's actually like this the the same sort of like status that this record has been held at for its genre. Yeah, when I think of early folk records, I mean I'm not a, a big expert or anything, but my first thought is immediately like Simon and Garfunkel, I guess if they're yeah. considered folk, and then yeah, another uh, a group that I think has aged well because of their you know the similarities that they have to folk music and all of that um but yeah this is i I, i'm interested to see um talk to you know people who were alive at the time and whether they had even heard of nick drake Mm -hmm. Uh, like maybe i could talk to my dad or, or you know yeah i asked my dad about it i remember a few years ago like when i first started listening to him i was like hey have you heard of nick drake and he had and he was but he like all he really had to say about it was like that he knew about him like back in the day he had heard about him but he didn't really listen to him because it was sort of a thing like everybody was like or or people were like oh yeah there's this nick drake guy but he was kind of like dismissed because he wasn't selling any records Mm. Mm -hmm. you know it was so it was like it was like his uh i mean this is just from my dad's perspective so Mm but like from his perspective it was like this thing of somebody that was talented but dismissed because like forgettable because it was like oh he's not selling records this must not be like anything like you know big like he's not changing anything really he's just like a talented another talented folk artist because i think the the genre was so saturated at that point too that was kind of the peak of of folk yeah. music in america at least and and they didn't have the the blogosphere hype machine behind them either so it really was yeah. just your access to the public is how you gained any sort of success now thankfully in my opinion there's you know a bunch of streaming services there's a bunch of different blogs that have different tastes to where artists of various backgrounds and genres and popularities can get some sort of large fan base if they're you know if they can attract it Um, yeah i think when we talk about whether or not a record is classic it's more than just is the record good and old because old is purely objective whether something is good is purely subjective classic to me i think has some sort of objectivity to it in that can you point to that record and say it had some sort of greater impact on music like if you take that album out of the the music history does the landscape change in some sort of butterfly effect fashion i think that's Uh, some sort of element that i kind of consider in terms of whether or not something's a classic record yeah that's a that's a really good description of it so i think so if i was going to say like why is this record classic then Mm -hmm. then yeah i think that like 
I would I would think that a lot of folk folk e artists and singer songwriter artists wouldn't be around because of this, but it but it would only be for the modern day, which is yes. interesting That's, because yeah because Nick Drake didn't have obviously didn't have an impact on folk in his day, but now is like you listen to to um, I mean anybody doing these like hipster folk records singer-songwriter records and a lot of them will list nick drake as an influence because you know he has these he has these classic albums so that's that's kind of an interesting to interesting thing to think about actually yeah typically the the impact is uh, of an album or an artist especially in in hip-hop you get the the influence immediately or within a couple of years um yeah but whereas this for example I was listening first listen through first track it's the title track great song I'm immediately reminded of uh, another artist that has a similarly tragic backstory but Elliot Smith immediately came to mind yeah. I mean it was just wow like clearly Elliot Smith must have heard a few Nick Drake records in his life and then as yeah. I continued to listen it's like Okay, I can see a little bit of Boney Vare in here, a little Sufjan Stevens, a little Phil Elverum, maybe. Uh, yeah. Kind of going through, and it's these are artists that I'm, you know, pretty big fans of, and so I'm kind of slapping myself for not listening to Nick Drake sooner. But I don't know if you got some of those uh, influences or, or what have you. No, I could, especially the Sufjan and the <laughs> Phil Elverum. Like I completely. Um, agree with you on that i don't know i mean i'm sure that those artists would be something but mm -hmm. they definitely derive their style from especially sufjan i mean like his mm -hmm. early stuff sounds so similar to to especially this album it sounds so similar to what this album is like michigan or yeah, yeah. right yeah but um yeah and i, I don't know i mean they would either be the first they would either be considered the first like trailblazers or they just wouldn't they would have a completely different style or maybe not even exist because of somebody like nick drake yeah. because he really paved the road and because folk a lot of the time is like it wasn't it, it was it was it was more like oh hey let's uh let's just appreciate the day and go outside and let's you know mm -hmm. pick flowers and everybody everybody love each other like that kind of thing like peaceful messages right and then drake sort of that i mean he he did it in in like you know the most solemn and depressed and all but like very honest way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah you see artists like sun kill moon and mount erie like with uh crow from last year like those albums like they reflect entirely on something like what this is just a very honest self-deprecating and like kind of uh, yeah just just very very intense lyrical uh songwriting that's a that's a good so, call uh, yeah good call on the mark kozlik <clears throat> I, I i heard he was gonna name his uh project uh sun kill pink moon but thought that was a little too <laughs> on the nose um <clears throat> so i guess let's let's talk a little bit about you know the content it just you know what are yeah. maybe some of your 
favorite moments or what what a music well, i kind of want to hear i, I kind of want to hear what you thought because i've you know i've established my opinion on this true. time and time again i kind of want to hear what you have okay. to say and then like comment on that well first thing that stuck out to me even before i pressed play this thing is only 28 minutes yeah it's 11 it's songs yeah if that came out now i mean that might be considered an ep in some circles but uh so yeah 11 songs uh 28 minutes a lot of these songs musically are, are pretty straightforward it, it, with the exception of a brief piano moment in the title track it's all just nick drake uh, his vocals and his acoustic guitar on mm-hmm. for 28 minutes um, and so because of that although a couple songs kind of get lost in the shuffle because it is a little similarly uh, how, how do you want to put it uh, there's a similar musical approach I think from track 1 to track 11 and so because of that a couple songs don't stand out to me as much as the rest do but when it hits, which is a, a majority of the time, th- this record is great. Um, first, his voice, first of all, kind of threw me off. I, it's a very pretty voice, but yeah. It's but unconventionally so, and he doesn't fully articulate a lot of the words he's saying. That they slur together sometimes, or maybe they're a little clouded or, or muffled slightly. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like he's. It's. It sounds like he's like singing with his head down. Yeah. And like, like yeah, he's like looking like, at he, his yeah, lyric like, sheet while he's performing. As yeah, a, like sort of like mumbling a little bit. Like yeah. But it but it works, and even a bigger takeaway is the guitar work on here is just incredible. From track it's really. One. Yeah, it's end. really subtly like amazing too. It's it's deceptively simple. You, you would listen to it, or in my experience, the first time I listened to it, it, it just kind of came off as another folksy acoustic guitar, what have you. Anyone on YouTube could play this or whatever. But the more I listened to it, the more I heard just how complicated some of the guitar patterns are on here, uh, which gave this record a ton of replay value for me and just attracted okay. me to the experience overall um yeah maybe i just wasn't listening close enough the first couple of times um no i i i, I think i completely agree with you i i didn't catch the uh i definitely didn't catch how skillful it really was the first couple times i remember listening to it i was mostly focused on how like pretty the overall sound of the album was mm-hmm but then, yeah, you listen to it. You listen to it and listen to the guitar work closer. And the yeah, the patterns and the the timing changes and the tempo changes, yeah. and and the just everything like every every switch is so clean. And he's doing this all while he's singing. And it's so it's really complicated stuff. Yeah. Like it's just, it's really subtly complicated. But I think that the reason it's so subtle is because he's he's not somebody that's showcase he's not showcasing his skill at all he's just he's literally using his skill to just to just create something that to just express his emotion and his emotion is basically um mostly melancholy and so you don't find like there's a lot more subtlety in that sound than there is like 
you know, something like Led Zeppelin's guitar work where it's obviously impressive. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think to that, it, it a lot of guitar-based music, it kind of has this simple structure in the form of a riff or what have you, and then all the skill comes in during like a guitar solo or a bridge or something like that. This, right. the, the skill on a Nick Drake record is more foundational like he is he does have a lot of skill in his guitar work but he's not reserving certain sections of the song to show you that the skill is present throughout the song and it's a it's a foundational uh element but you take a song like road for example my first couple of listens i'm i'm trying to grasp the lyricism because i i did know he had this reputation of making very depressing music Mm -hmm. Uh, so first couple listens i'm taking out lyrics like uh i guess i wrote one down you can say the sun is shining if you really want to i can see the moon and it seems so clear i'm trying to figure out you know what he's meaning by that my first couple of listens then as i'm listening to it again he's just he's saying all this all this poetic lyricism while just absolutely ripping it on the acoustic guitar underneath and it, it makes for this weird as I meant, this deceptively simple sound um, that I find fascinating. Yeah, yeah. The lyricism on this on this record is, um, I mean, it's it, it, it is it. I, it's really some of the most poetic um, stuff that I've ever seen from an artist. And it's and the and the way that it's complemented by his instrumental ability is it, it really feels so carefully constructed the whole thing like more the more and more I listen through to this it's it's so this is such a carefully constructed thing it's not just something that was just like okay I'll just make this record out of expression like this is so thought out and yeah, it's just a, artistically, artistically designed. Yeah, to to that, it's it's a very cohesive record. I think a lot of mm -hmm. earlier folk records, and just earlier records in general, don't have this album concept to them. It's just a collection of singles or you know loosely tied concepts. But on here, it, it's a it's a very cohesive message throughout. He has this sun-moon motif present throughout mm -hmm. the record, where the sun represents positivity, moon represents negativity, um, which sounds a little cliche now, but for him to commit to that motif and not overdo it over the course of 28 minutes, it has this, this, um, it adds this structure to it, whereas a lot of, as I mentioned, a lot of folk records didn't have a ton of structure to it it was more just okay here's our here's our love song here's our breakup song here's our song about nature blah right. blah Th this is a very composed effort and i think the length is good for that in that respect i think maybe if he went like 50 minutes or whatever the average length of an album is now maybe he strays from that concept a little bit but because of yeah. the time constraints it's a very tight record which very concise yes very it improves upon the quality based on the length and the uh, cohesion. Yeah. Do you have any uh, favorite tracks from this after after the first few listens through that you 
yeah, that so, you gave? So this is interesting um, because typically when we talk about our favorite tracks, it's on modern records, and I generally have a feel uh, what songs people are liking uh, based on whatever the singles are or just yeah. what songs are getting the most hype on the internet. Um, other than the title track of this record, I wasn't sure which songs are considered the best on here, so I don't know how hot takey some of this is. Um, my favorite. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there are hot takes on, on something <laughs> like this. Honestly, <laughs> right, just I like this Nick Drake song the best. It's like, yeah, okay, it sounds good. We all love every song. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, I, I will say to before I even get to that, there's no bad song on here. There's no song that I'm like, ah, eh, throw it away, blah. Um, right. Okay. My favorite song, the one that I'm gravitated to, is, uh, and I think it's a song that sums up what the album's going for. Um, Parasite. It's mm, yes. Okay. Nice. Yeah. It's it's one of the most devastating songs on here, in my opinion. Uh, the the concept he's comparing himself to a parasite. Uh, he's describing his feelings of isolation, even when surrounded by a ton of people. He has this anecdote of he's going underground uh, to the northern line of the London tube system. He sees all these people around him, but he still feels isolated and lonely. Um, it's a it's a very, uh, what's the word, uh, relatable feeling for a lot of people. Um, yeah. So he's kind that, of, yeah. Sorry. Is that like that, that introvert isolationist, um, that, that mindset of just, you know, yeah. very self-deprecating i i don't belong here i'm just somebody that's moving along in the motions i'm just taking and not giving back yeah he's he's you not know. actively harming anyone he's keeping to himself but he he feels like he's a burden to the people around him mm -hmm, despite mm -hmm. that and um i'm glad that you that you that you've uh, pulled this out as because this is probably my uh, it's hard to say favorite because this album so you know it's, it's a very <laughs> devastating yeah. album yeah especially with the context of it but yeah this is probably i mean this is definitely the one that stands out the most to me this and uh the title track yeah of course the title track yeah i think the title track mostly it stands out um mostly for the instrumental is great yes on the title track and then it's also because it's the only one that has anything other than the guitar um, other than guitar yeah so it's a it, that one's the obvious one but this song is definitely one that is i think the most uh it's uh, probably the best songwriting on this record i i would agree with that yeah and uh yeah it's just and, it's just devastating and just the the guitar i mean there's no there's no moment on this album where it's like a happy little ditty or anything but this i think parasite has the dreariest guitar lead or at least like the most solemn where it's that dun, 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 just kind mm -hmm. of this really sullen sound that immediately puts you in this sort of dark environment um so the the musical foundation sets up for what is probably my favorite lyricism on the entire record um so that yeah that was kind of the one that stuck out to me um obviously the title track because of obviously what you mentioned but it's just it, it has probably maybe it's the a best, beautiful track yeah it, it has it's, maybe the best melody on here you know it, it's a very yeah. easy song to listen to 
um, which a lot of these are actually fairly easy to listen to, which is not what I expected yeah. going in. Um, yeah, they're yeah. Not, it's not it's not a it's not a hard album to swallow. Honestly, you could listen through to this and be like, if somebody wasn't paying attention to lyricism on this, they'd be like, oh yeah, Nick Drake's a really chill guy. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like saying something like that. Like, oh yeah, I love I love Pink Moon. That's like such a relaxing album. But, yeah, th- this isn't. <laughs> but like, then, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, then you dive into the lyricism, and you you know, and and you see you see what the uh, overall message of this album is. But it's it's a very easy album to swallow. There's nothing here that's like, and that sort of plays into I think what who Nick Drake was as a person, and like what you see mm-hmm. on songs like Parasite, where he feels like he's bothering people almost by even making something like this yeah it's so he does it he does it in a way that is you know people won't mind listening to that's you know and it's it's like a it's like a generous it's like a generous way of creating music but you can tell that it's not really you know he's not he's not satisfied with it either way that's a that's a really interesting point and i would be inclined to believe you on that this isn't um the last couple of Mount Erie records where the devastation is just you know overwhelming and obvious and honestly I'm not always in the mood to listen to really bleak or melancholic music Um, so I appreciate that records like Pink Moon or um, uh, Either Or or uh, Carrie and Lowell they have enough melodic moments to keep me engaged musically which i appreciate because if i'm engaged musically i'm more inclined to pay attention and try to dig into what's happening um yeah i think that that's like an underrated underrated quality for records like this mm -hmm. and like those is the um the ability to the ability to like mask itself as an easy listening record Mm -hmm. while having subject matter that's just like absolutely devastating and very hard to swallow yeah you know you look you look at the lyrics of of carrie and lowell after listening through to something like death by dignity which is a very melodic song yes and something better yeah right yeah or should have known better right so that those are both very melodic songs and very kind of they're almost head bobby yeah And, and then you you know you look through the lyrics of those after because you're already invested in, in it and you look through the lyrics and there's something really important and and heavy to unpack there and i think that that's like because i'm i've i think that you know and anybody that's actually followed along with our you know our our lists or my album list or anything like that probably can tell that i really appreciate mm. this type of stuff mm-hmm. um and uh and and so like i've always been been a fan of that kind of stuff and and but i think that it's this this kind of quality of of creating music that has sort of a like a mask of everything's fine like on the outside is a really under underrated and like very artistic quality because that's how people present themselves who are going through a lot of depression right it's a lot of it's a lot of i you know not only not wanting to show your feelings but feeling like you shouldn't show your feelings based off of 
you know, a, a, a number of factors. Stigmas. Um, yeah, or right, right. It, James just Blake, your own your own personal, like, ego or whatever. Right. It, it, James Blake, I think, had a pretty poignant uh, discussion about it on his Twitter or Instagram recently where, you know, he gets this sad boy label. Um, and it's, you know, people mean it in, you know, in jest. They don't mean it as some sort of insult, but he... But he kind of reacted to that sad boy label as this sort of like, yeah, my music's depressed. It's not because I'm trying to go for it. And, you know, I have a hard time showing it because, you know, I'm this, you know, this white man who has a lot of privileges and, and what have you. So there's this masculine pressure to not showcase yeah. your feelings or, or what have you yeah because you feel like you feel like there's no reason that you should be feeling like that right you, like, you feel like you yeah. have a lot going for you or you should but you're still feeling it, it, anyway he he puts it a lot more eloquently than i am right now but there are these stigmas um as to why artists may not want to fully expose themselves uh, which is why I respect the ones that even express themselves a little bit, because that can be difficult. Um, but that said, kind of on this accessibility tangent we've been on, they have a nice balance. Um, it's not like you're listening to... When you listen to this record, the the atmosphere makes you think that maybe this is a sad record if you dig a little bit deeper. It's not like Passion Pit, where... It, it actually is a pretty depressing, you know, a bunch of depressing right. lyrics on Passion Pit. You would never guess that just by listening to the songs. Yeah. Um, whereas something here, it puts you in the atmosphere, a, a very reflective internal atmosphere to where you might think, oh, maybe there there is something here I should listen to lyrically. Um, yeah. Yeah, the Passion Pit, that's a really good point, because that, that is a whole thing, too, like, the Passion Pit. And in the emo world, there's sometimes a thing of, like, making, like, super upbeat, like, punky uh, style of music, and then, but, you know, having those, like, very dark mm. lyrics behind it. Um, and that kind of stuff, like, is, I don't, I don't equate it to the same level, because, like, that kind of stuff is a little overwhelming to me at times. Mm. Okay. You know, because yeah. you're, you're dealing with such an extreme in these in these different emotions when you're like when you're when you're listening to something like passion pit you're uh you're you're at a at a place where you're you feel like vibrant and excited and, and just from the sound and the feeling of it but then like you dive into the lyrics and you see just how depressing it is so it's like a it's a it's like a real like whirlwind so it's kind of overwhelming but something like these nick drake the way that he the way that he did this was something that was much i i appreciate to a greater extent because i'm already in like you said like a reflective contemplative um sort of mindset mm. but it's not pushed on me like sun kill moon has a has a tendency to to throw you into that whether you like it or not like you're gonna listen yeah. to what i have to say <laughs> and if you don't like it like that kind of mindset and i typically like it but it's very polarizing very polarizing so this is this is something that i you know it, it, this is this is something that i think is very underratedly 
are very underrated and artistic and you know and, and i think that nick drake with this and with his other records with five leaves left and Britter later he he really paved the way for people to actually do this kind of stuff because not a lot of people were doing folk music like this it was simon and garfunkel style where it was you know i mean they have they have sound of silence where you know you have this very dark subject matter in a in an accessible way but they're known for love and peace and right. you know like that kind of thing and he really paved the way for people to to be able to do stuff like this so and this is this is why this is so important to me also yeah i i think it's important to talk about how this record um relates to the end of his life um mm -hmm. I don't know when he was feeling suicidal. This record came out two years prior to his suicide. There are a lot of lyrics on here that suggest maybe he was feeling that way at the time of recording. Um, yeah, I mean, look at Parasite. <laughs> yeah, Parasite, for example. Um, I mean, the whole Pink Moon, um, the whole Pink Moon allegory too is like yes, um, yeah, a, an important. idea of apocalyptic, you know, like like a like a, a doomsday sort of uh, idea, where like Pink Moon is coming, and that means like that the world is ending, kind of thing. Yeah, it's like a it's like a bad omen at the very least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that whole idea is placed over this album. Yeah, what's a, I guess Harvest Breed is one that I picked out where he says, uh, falling fast and falling free, this could just yeah. be the end. Um, th there's just, there's so many moments on here where you're, you know, knowing what we know now, it's just, it's devastating. It's kind of like the David Bowie Black Star, where much less yeah. time we only had a couple of days before his passing but when you listen to the lyrics on that record in the context of his death or even jay dilla listening to some of the instrumentals and samples he chose yeah when he right. was recording donuts on his deathbed it adds this extra context to the record that that you know it's very striking and it and it moves it moves this to a point that's like beyond music it doesn't it doesn't have it for me it doesn't this this kind of thing doesn't have as much to do with the music it has more to do with the person mm -hmm. and in like and this places and and i mean this is a an amazing record but it's more about the person behind it and what was going on and like and, and and just the context of that makes it more special yep yep it's um so an unfortunate you know obviously but it, it is a an element that needs to be discussed when discussing nick drake and yeah. uh, this record in particular um it's always hard though because like the, that that's a way that people romanticize suicide that's, and that's the other depression thing. and you know like the kurt cobain dilemma is a little bit tricky because that whole thing came into a thing of like romanticizing suicide basically you're like i want to be cool and kurt cobain was cool and that's what you know that's what he did like that kind of thing yeah it's it's this weird um it, it adds 
this weird legacy that that's hard to talk about yeah um, it's, it's really it's really difficult but i think that um yeah i mean i think ultimately like just the context of it and if you're if you're really taking this stuff from like an empathetic standpoint and not like uh of romanticizing who this person was like you know, or like what condition this person was in. Like you're not romanticizing that and thinking like, oh, you have to be that kind of person to create something like this, or you have to be that kind of person to create music at all. Like if, as long, I mean, if you're not going at it from that point, I mean like it's, it, it, this is really important stuff. And I, and I, you know, I, I love this, this album for that because it really, it, it just brings that, those, those conversations to light. Yeah, uh, and because of artists like Nick Drake or Elliot Smith, as a fan, I now have this kind of sense to where I, I do feel worried about the artists I'm fans of if their music is particularly depressing or, uh, you know, it, it just kind of keeps me alert. You know, you as a fan... I mean, just in general, too, obviously, but especially as a fan, I want my the, the artists I'm listening to to be doing well. It's this weird thing where I listen to their music because it's sad and I'm in a dark mood, but I don't want them to be in that mood. I want them to be in a better mood, even if that means I'm never going to get the music, that, that kind of music again from that artist. Yeah. It's this weird sort of... Yeah, it's a weird push and pull with with that kind of thing. I, uh, praising praising sad music that like yeah. I I've definitely dealt with this. Praising sad music is always a tough thing for me to do because it's like you know like the Nick Cave record from a couple years ago. Well, your favorite I praise, record of the year? I, yeah. yeah, I praised the shit out of that album, but like it's it's a really tough one to be like, oh yeah, what a great album because yeah, yeah. like you know. And on it's the, so you know, devastating. And on the other hand, it, it's hard to point out something you don't like about it because it's the artist bearing their soul, and you don't want to just be like, "Well, I didn't like the way the guitar sounded on this." You know that that's just yeah. Like, right, does right, that yeah. really matter? You know, I don't know. Uh, I I looked up. Sorry, I looked up the James Blake thing because I I wanted to properly say what he said. I only took out a couple quotes, but he described the sad boy low. Uh, uh, whatever you call it, label, as label, yeah. yeah, the sad boy label is uh, problematic. It's unhealthy, uh, and it. Uh, shoot, I lost it again. Well, <laughs> oh, contributes to the uh, ever disastrous historical stigmatization of men expressing themselves emotionally. So that's a quote. I kind of. This was in May. That's I kind of came back to this quote listening to this record, and that's why I thought that was relevant. But that's yeah, that's a really great way to put it. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, there's plenty of artists like that, uh, like James Blake. Or I'm a huge fan of Earl Sweatshirt. I think he makes some of the most interesting music out, but it's it's so mm -hmm. hard to listen to, uh, and and it's just you have to wonder, you know. Like I hope he's doing okay. You know, it, it's yeah. it's a scary thing as you know, and I don't even know him, but it but it's it's scary and it's it's hard to yeah. talk about. Yeah, that I mean, but that's like the important the important thing too of like of records like this is like 
you know they're expressing this like as like a like a therapeutic way almost of being of of being like because that's like a lot of what it is is wanting people to know like hey this is what's going on so like it's like an important i think that this that kind of stuff is is that it it's more important than it is like you know yeah it's right the the positives of these types of albums outweigh anything else they're encouraging to a lot of which is kind of ironic it is it it is a little bit but it's you know people who relate sometimes they just want to know that they're not alone sometimes they want music to help them through whatever they're going through um and so records like pink moon either or they're very important to have and it's uh from our job quote unquote our hobby i suppose on the podcast is to critique music sometimes it's really hard uh to do so uh when it comes to records like this um did you have anything before i kind of did a final thoughts thing um i don't know if you did for this we're not doing or at least i'm not doing a rating out of 10 for this um yeah no i don't think that i don't think that these records really deserve or they don't just not it's not that they don't deserve it but we're not like <laughs> nick drake doesn't deserve a rating yeah. <laughs> i don't even know why we're talking about this <laughs> right right <laughs> um yeah but we don't need to be like we don't need to be giving ratings to albums that we're already deeming as classic yeah, yeah. um yeah so like I, I guess we'll just i'll just talk about it briefly like why i love this and, and like more about why i love this so much is mm. this album to me really sort of really paved the way for artists to a lot of artists to be as open and um and honest as they possibly could this i mean it's always been a thing for artists and singers and singer songwriters especially to be honest about their feelings and stuff but this album is a monument in that realm and i think that it's it it has i think the context of it with the fact that he died two years later has a lot to do with it but it's not to be dismissed as something that was just born out of suicidal thoughts like this is who this person was Mm -hmm. and it's it it goes beyond the fact that he was just a depressed person this guy was an amazing guitarist Mm -hmm. he he was an amazing arranger he was an amazing songwriter like he wasn't just this sad boy that was just like really talented at making sad music he was a depressed person but he was also like an incredible artist and this album showcases a lot of like those sort of like hidden talents that that uh, the people that are depressed or severely introverted or whatever don't know for themselves that they have sometimes like they they know that they can create stuff but they they may be self-deprecating to a point where they don't feel like they actually made that and this album's like a testament to that and it's so relatable on such a basic level but it's so honest and deep on many, many different levels. Um, it's just, it, it's, it's an absolute masterpiece in terms of songwriting and arrangement. I, I, this, I mean, it, this, there's a reason why this is one of my favorite albums ever. 
and it's just so sad that he you know the his whole story is so sad and but i'm so happy that this album is where it's at and i was able to find it because of the recognition that it was able to have in the late 90s yeah that's, that's so yeah that's good thoughts um yeah it's you know i like to bash pitchfork or whoever as much as anyone but i never listen to half this great stuff i i love if not for them and this is another example where i've always kind of had nick drake in my my head because of you know the blogs and you know music critics and what have you and it shows that they can have some sort of power um given that the the great ratings over time kind of increased at the at the time of release they uh, not only did this have very few reviews it had a lot of negative reviews um i took out mm-hmm. a quote from let's see if i can find this here took out a quote from music critic jerry gilbert and this was a a popular feeling at the time he said the songs are not sufficiently strong to stand up without any embroidery at all things behind the sun makes it so does parasite but maybe it's time Mr. Drake stopped acting so mysteriously and started getting something properly organized for himself. And that was a popular feeling at the time. But then sentiment has changed over the past, however, it's, you know, 46 years. or Yeah, 46 years. Um, so it it's, it's just has this very interesting history, which is why I think this was a great album to do a podcast about. Uh, my final kind of a hard one. I debated. I debated whether or not I should do this because I was like, "Man, this is going to be a tough one to talk about." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, right, right. No, it's, it's the whole yeah. the whole context behind it is very tough to discuss. But I'm, you know, I'm uh, I'm glad that I'm glad that I chose this one. Yeah, to talk it's about. and it's important to have the discussion, you know. Um, but I do have some some final thoughtsy type of rant here. Uh, I just want to thank you for finally giving me a reason to check out nick drake uh he's just kind of been on my list and on the back burner for a while and i never got to him um but i enjoy this record quite a bit i plan on listening to the rest of his discography in the near future i'm uh i'm not often in the mood to listen to this type of music but um you know like the the type of material we're given on pink moon but the next time i'm in that particular mood i plan on coming back it's it's pretty straightforward musically but there's a lot of worthy discussion to be had regarding the lyrics the uh, the guitar performances and um, the unfortunate circumstances that surround the record um, i understand why this record is considered classic by so many um this is one of my we touched on this a little bit but i wanted to expand on these thoughts um one of my favorite things about music is um occasionally a record has a greater impact in retrospect than it has at the time of release uh and conversely sometimes a record uh, everyone loves at the time and then we forget about it in two years yeah. 
Um, I feel like that happens more often than than this circumstance. Absolutely, does. absolutely. And this record falls in the former category, and it's just a beautiful thing uh, that sometimes the, the greatness of a record isn't always apparent at first. As I mentioned earlier, Pink Moon only sold six thousand copies in its first twenty-seven years of existence. Uh, it did, that is insane. Insane. Like what? Six thousand in twenty-seven years. Uh, it it didn't receive a lot of critical attention. Got some negative reviews. I, I think the most classic example of this is probably uh, the Velvet Underground and Nico record. Um, albums like these. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just so fascinating to me because we can't as much as we maybe want to we can't just write off every record we don't like or that we don't think has any staying power or greatness uh, sometimes a record's greatness is just hidden for a while to be exposed later by artists who are maybe influenced by it it kind of makes me wonder if any recent records will have a similar trajectory like there's a universe in which the latest Arcade Fire record is actually the most important record of 2017, <laughs> and we just don't know it yet. And that's that. It, it probably not, but it could be, and that's fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah, that was something that I was that that I have thought about. You know, in context with this, especially is like, well, I mean, there's got to be at least a few of these that are like that are sitting around right now. Yeah, there's got to be Nobody's getting attention, or they're getting bashed, or something. Yeah. And then, like 20 was, years from now, we're going to feel like fools. Yeah, like, I was kind of, you know, I liked the the Boney Bear 22 a million record, but that's something I could totally see, like, 10 years from now, just, it has the biggest impact of anything. Um, but now, 40, whatever years after the release of Pink Moon, it's now a financial success, critics adore it. Everyone who's listened to this record adores it, it seems. Uh, even if I didn't like this record, it would still be a classic. Um, the impact that his music has had in on the musicians, especially in our lifetimes, um, especially among some of our favorite artists, uh, that can't be ignored. Um, it's a classic record, and I'm finally, or I'm glad that I, I guess I finally checked it out. So... There you go. Thank you. Nice. Great record. Great record. Yes. Yeah. And I want to know who that, who the the person was that pitched the idea to, to play Pink Moon in the Volkswagen commercial was. Seriously, because, like, holy shit! <laughs> it's it's such an odd history. It gave it a whole new life. Um, There's no way that I'd be. I would like. I wouldn't even know about this if it wasn't for that commercial, which is bizarre. Yeah, because that's the that's the thing that that's the thing that kicked it off. That's the the one thing that actually people were like, "Whoa, what was that?" And then you know, right. and you see most of the reviews for this record have come out fairly recently. Like it's not you can't find a lot of mm-hmm. reviews for it from the seventies. It, it's a very interesting uh, phenomenon. But um, that's that's Nick Drake, Pink Moon, and um, we did it all without me making some shitty Drake reference. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Not too late. Yeah. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll take care of that right now. Oh, man. Bam! Yeah! I did it. Um, so, right. so that was... We gotta close it out now. We do. Um, so <laughs> next time we'll go back to our 
regular format for a recent album um i won't say what it is you'll have to keep you know you know you have to look you have to look for us stay on your toes yeah. a little bit try to guess yeah try to guess yeah 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 try to guess i know igloo ghost just released dual eps that are really there you good. go so it could be that um I also know that, uh, steve roach just released one like one more of his like 50 other ambient records so <laughs> well there you go could be that um, um, and then I think we talked about this, but I think we're doing sort of a, a home and home here. We're, we plan on doing a classic album review in the future where the roles are kind of reversed, where I'm sort of the quote unquote expert and Patrick is the, uh, the newbie to the record. The dumbass. Wow. Um, <laughs> that what you think about me. That's, <laughs> that's like how we should do it. Just like, yeah. I'm the expert and you are an idiot. You're, yeah. <laughs> and this is why you should just turn it like an aggressive, like, this is why you should like this album. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make it like some sort of CNN crossfire debate where it's like, I'm, I represent the dumbass and this is my take. And yeah, <laughs> right. So, so I have I, I after the podcast we'll talk about what record I'm thinking for that. Um, stay tuned. Uh, hope you guys enjoy our next reviews. And thank you for listening. Thank you, Nick Drake. And if you haven't listened to this record, listen to this record. By God, it's for really sure. good, absolutely. It's only twenty eight minutes. Just it's only twenty eight minutes. Minute. That's twenty eight minutes. <laughs> This yeah. podcast don't. is twice as long as that record, so... Yeah, 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 don't listen to the last half of this podcast, just listen to the <laughs> album. Exactly, don't don't listen to this podcast now that you're 60 minutes <laughs> yeah. yeah, Please don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> alright, alright guys, take care, bye. <laughs>